Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Jeff, 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 Jeff. J-E-F-F, Jeff. J-E-F-F, Jeff. J-E-F-F, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Jeff Stein's our national and presidential expert. Noted author. Find his books at Next Chapter Books and TotallyIowa.com. The Iowa Business Report, the Iowa Politics Report. Come to us from his flagship station, KXEL in Cedar Falls, Waterloo, where Jeff is right now. I'm guessing drunk. Uh, Jeff, how are you today, my friend? Well, is it a day that ends in the letter Y? Yes, yes. it is. Well, then, yes. let's drink. We'll we, get we started drinking early. Get them lined I, up there. Didn't. <laughs> I mean, the way this show goes, usually, I figure you had started before me. It's shockingly, I don't drink anymore. I mean, I know that that's so people think meth, but no, it's not. It's just, I'm just this way. Uh, so I, I like to see when you say I don't drink anymore. And then the retort is, and I don't drink any less either. Yeah, it's the da, same da, da, amount. Da, 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 da. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll start off on friendly terms uh, with uh, the the baseball playoffs now. Uh, who is Iowa mostly rooting for the Twins? Do you know or anything like that? Or is there any interest? I mean, do you know anything about sports? Can I ask that? I used to know a lot about sports, yeah, and then when sports and politics got too mixed, it's like, okay, is this just craziness? So I literally was at the barber shop yesterday, and I looked up and. Okay, they're there. What was it? Is like Texas and Tampa Bay yep. or whatever playing. I'm like, oh, okay. And then the thing comes on the screen saying, stay tuned. After that, it's somebody and the twins. And I thought, what, is this 1965? The twins are, are in the playoffs? Okay, wow. I was stunned by this. 65? Wow. You really have not paid attention to sports in a while, have you? Harmon Killebrew was no. uh, <laughs> the killer, killer room. Here's, here's my problem. Yeah, okay. All I knew about the Minnesota Twins this year, I learned by reading your tweets, your angry posts yes. on X during yes. the season. And near as I could tell that, you know, you had 100 losses and you were 40 games behind. How was I to know you were winning a division the way you were tweeting out? Well, because we weren't. Uh, and and it, I, you have to understand, it's like for like April and May, half of May, we were great. And then we were just garbage up until early August. And then all of a sudden, Royce Lewis came in and the clouds parted and this team <laughs> became something a heck of a lot better. And there should be pastoral music playing yes. in the background. Oh, now harps and game. angels, my friend. Harps and angels. And, and see, the problem is it. this used to be Twins country. It did. And then, and then we relaxed border security on the eastern end of the state and all of these... Stupid Cubs fans oh, came in with all of their baggage, and then you've got the angry White Sox fans, and so they just kind of have their little, you know, backroom brawls, and then you know, I don't. You get and you get some of the Royals fans too, which that's like, what's wrong with you? Oh. Anyway. Well, by the way, your uh, I think it's Class A team for the Twins. Um, He's in Cedar Rapids. Yeah, see, they've they've the colonels down there. They've been down there for years. Haven't Cedar they? Rapids colonels, yeah. and that would be colonels as in corn, yeah. not as in Sanders, as in, <laughs> not as in delicious bucket of chicken. No, not, <laughs> that's uh, uh, it's it. No, yeah, they've been down there forever, and you know, you guys yeah. now that they've got their AAA team in St. Paul, the St. Paul Saints are now their AAA yeah. team. It's nice to have these kind of stopping points that are near Minneapolis so they can easily send them down there really easy. You've got a relationship. And I know in our sports report this morning, uh, our our anchor pointed out when so-and-so, I don't even know who it was, when so-and-so was with the Cedar Rapids Colonels, he dreamed one day of whatever it is he did yesterday. And and 
So yes, there is that connection. By it the had, way, do it, you had know the seen, it had to be it had to be Royce Lewis. By the way, it had to be Royce Probably. Lewis. Yeah, I suppose that would have required me to pay attention and then retain the information, and I did neither. But do you know who the mascot is of the Cedar Rapids Colonels? Which again is corn, not Sanders. Isn't it a big ear of corn? It's a big ear of corn. And do you yeah. know what what his name is? Oh no, uh, Cobby. <laughs> it should have been. It oh. really should have. Instead, it's Mr. Shucks. Really? No, it should be Mr. Cobby. Shucks. Or is well, is his first name Cobby Shucks? I mean, I mean, it's he could run We're for not office. That close. Yeah, I don't know him on a first name basis. I've never met him, but I know it's Mr. Shucks. God. And as we were talking here, wasting people's time, it occurred to me that there'd be a great promotion for Mr. Shucks to come out with a bucket of chicken. Wouldn't that be great? Well, Cobby Shucks sounds like a manager in baseball from like 1920. He does. does. It's Gabby Hartnett and Cobby Shucks. And he ran uh, the Cleveland Spiders back when. You know, that's exactly. All right. Well, the Spiders, nicely done. Well, good work out of you. All right. This is, I'm just, I'm going to just, let me go for it. Where do you want to start? Let me go for this. Where do you want to start? Far-right representatives who orchestrated McCarthy's removal would have never been allowed to run for office 30 years ago. But with Newt Gingrich, the party changed their qualifications for those who could run. The best Republican candidates were no longer based on quality, but unrelenting zealotry. On top of that, through obscene obscene partisan gerrymandering, Republicans created safe GOP seats where a turnip with an R could win, with extremism being preferred, while at the same time using the far-right media to convince Republican voters that working with the other side was for losers. The real leaders forced their will onto the other side, trying to rub Democratic politicians' faces into Republican lunatic bravado. At least 30% of Republican voters don't want anything outside of seeing Democrats and their perceived enemies suffer, creating a self-feeding vicious circle of validation for the extremist friends politician. And that's how you got into this situation because I can't, this is a mess. And, and yesterday was as much as some, you know, Gates was running around saying this was validation. The reality is, is even the Senate Republicans are calling these guys a bunch of a laughing stock and a joke. And I just don't know how the heck they get out of their own way at this point. What do Elon Omar and Matt Gates have in common? They both voted to get rid of uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy yesterday. That's it. That's the one thing they have in common. And if, you, if you're a Gates supporter or you're looking at this gang of eight or whatever, just think about this. The one thing that those people agreed upon was to get rid of Kevin McCarthy. It wasn't for the far on each side to get together and agree on a, oh, I don't know, farm bill that will take care of producers and food insecurity. No, that's not where they aligned forces. They aligned forces on getting rid of Kevin McCarthy so that Matt Gates could settle a personal score. But oh, well, but I don't a, think that be, well, let's be careful there. The Democrats didn't do that. I think the Democrats no, were no, so no, angry no. at him after the fa- uh, the CBS appearance where he blamed the Democrats after the Democrats saved his butt on the spending extension where he well, blamed the Democrats. Uh, I think that it sounds like that actually caused the Democrats to say, OK, we're not going to help you at all. You could have called this vote three days after whatever it was, the 58th ballot or whatever it took. OK, and Democrats would have voted 100 percent against McCarthy. Why? Because they believe in party unity and they knew that this was the trap. And those eight Republicans walked right into it. Yes, it I'm is. not being critical of the Democrats on this. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, when when somebody like Gates comes across the aisle and says, hey, I got this idea. You're like, 
you go, girl. You know, I mean, how do you not just say, I'm sorry, Kevin, because you're not sorry. And, and But here's the thing. And we talked about this, what is this month, October, nine months ago. Kevin McCarthy had a goal. Little Kev had a goal. When he was growing up, he wanted to be Speaker of the House. That's it. He had no agenda, no plan, no idea of actual governance. He wanted to be Speaker of the House. His best day was when he got to hold the gavel. Mm -hmm. There was no plan. So what did he do? He made all sorts of deals with the enemies from within. So he got to be Speaker. If you don't know what you want to do when you get it, it's pointless. And I have used this analogy multiple times today. It's like the dog who chases a car. And certain Subaru ads notwithstanding, dogs can't drive cars. And so what happens when the dog chases the car and catches it? Oh, my God, I got what I wanted, but what do I do with it? That was McCarthy's problem then. And that's now this gang of eight's problem now. Because who in the blazes other than Matt McNeil is the logical choice to be Speaker of the House? Well, and we'll get to that because it looks like a few people are lining up for it. But uh, I mean, John Boehner, if John Boehner was still in charge of the House, and by the way, there is no one on the Republican side that has the determination and the because he understood the role of the Speaker. If John mm-hmm. Boehner was there, those those 40 people on the right would would be sitting down, shutting up and doing exactly what he says. This does have to deal a lot with the fact that there is an incredible void of leadership in the House Republican Party right now. And everyone's just kind of looking around at each other saying, do you want to do it? Do you want to do it? And they're expecting someone to come up and become something like Boehner, who wasn't really a great speaker, but he oh, knew how to run no. the, his own caucus, for God's sakes. Well, OK, now that's the whole point. And. As opposed to Tom Emmer, with all respect to people in Minnesota, your whip has to be able to count. And that has always been, with due respect, his problem when they were bringing things to the floor. It's like, well, I don't know why it didn't pass. Because you couldn't count. Yeah. You know, I mean, so the fact that he quickly got out of the way on the race for speaker, good move, very good move. Um, You know, we had heard this back in January with... um, um, that was Tom Emmer calling me just now. <laughs> what uh, the he hell, wanted, Jeff? <laughs> he wanted he wanted equal time. Uh, when when it was ballot number, I don't know, six, seven, eight, and there was talk of, um, well, maybe the Republicans should float somebody else. And people went to Scalise and people went to Jordan and they were like, no, I'm, I'm not tossing McCarthy under the bus because he's our best chance to sort of kind of, I don't know, it was weird loyalty. Okay. Now that he's out of the way, now comes the interesting part, because be careful what you wish for. You wanted to get rid of Kevin McCarthy. And by the way, if you went down the list of Freedom Caucus members, vast majority of them voted to keep him yesterday. Why? Not because they loved him, but the timing was bad. I don't know how many of them I heard in various soundbites saying, I don't like Kevin McCarthy. I think he's a, he's a, a waste, but this is not the time to do this. Do it after we get the budget, if that doesn't turn out well. Okay, but, you know, I don't care that Jim Jordan won a national wrestling title. That doesn't mean he's going to put Gates in a headlock and get him to to toe the line. Scalise, nothing wrong with Scalise. Um, he is battling uh, lymphoma, and I, you know, and again, but he's he's in. But I just don't think that the the, you know, the next Sam Rayburn is not coming out of this bunch. Nope. All right. And I know I just crossed party lines, but you get the idea. There's you no know, Tip O'Neill is, in there. 
<laughs> there's nobody in there who is is the logical next choice. That's why I wonder, would they be smart picking someone? And I don't have a name, but who works behind the scenes, who's not Mr. Soundbite, Ms. Soundbite, not flashy, a name that you'd have to go, wait, who? That might be the person that's needed right now. Because do we really need a flashy speaker? Hmm. I, I don't know, it, but who wants it? Okay, well, I'll get to that here in a second. <laughs> oh, uh, here's no, who a, wants it? Yeah. Here's a quote from Representative Kelly Armstrong, the Republican from North Dakota. The incentive okay. structure in this town is completely broken. We have descended to a place where clicks, TV hits, and the never-ending quest for the most mediocre taste of celebrity drives decisions and encourage, encourages a juvenile behavior. I couldn't agree more with the statement. He n- understands exactly what the problem is. But right now, what you've got is this, is that the most of the Republicans will go along with those 40 or so extremist far-right Republicans, while at least eight of those far-right Republicans will not go along with the rest there. And when you're looking at a five-seat margin, well, there's your math right there. And and, and yeah. this is, this is I, I think that's it. I mean, you've got these people that do not care about the party. They only care about this self-cycling you know, media stream where they are beloved by their trolls and that's it. Well, first of all, with regard to the quote from the member of Congress, well, this just in, yeah. I mean, that didn't just happen yesterday. Well, and also, and, and also can we point out this guy was an, an unapologetic Trump, you know, supporter. And this is really what kind of got us here is this idea that a guy that was so clearly flawed was never held accountable by his own party. Well, this is how you get to the point where we're at right now. Well, how do you hold him accountable when he wins primaries and caucuses? You know, I mean, this is one of the problems that you have. If you're a, I don't even know what phrase to use, mainstream Republican, Bush Republican. I mean, all of these folks who wave nicely at Trump when he can raise money for them, but then, you know, they're glad to see him lose in 2020. Okay, that's fine. But you've got to bring the voters along with you. Look at the the Republican race right now. Worst case scenario in the polls, polls are crap, but still polls, Trump's ahead of any Republican challenger by 40 points. Not that he has 40 points, he's ahead by 40 points. Those are the voters, all right? And so if all of these Republicans can't make the case to voters, you know, what are they supposed to do? With regard to your point about you've got the 40 here on the far right and eight of the 40 are the, are the ones. Right. And if McCarthy had articulated a real vision as opposed to I'm in favor of nice weather and uh, apple pie and uh, rainbows, then they might have had a bigger majority. And then you could have absorbed the five uh, or eight or however many. But, but you see, is that's the problem. It's the same math the new person's going to have, right? Yeah. The ma- and that's your point. The math didn't change. The personalities didn't change. And the problem is the, the eight on the right got their pelt. They, they, they got the trophy. You think they're going to sit back and go, okay, now we're going to take a backseat? Yeah. They're more emboldened than ever. Well, and they're they're reminiscent of early American political parties where there really wasn't a coalescing. It was just kind of a bunch of guys that had the same idea. But yeah. that's where the, in, the Republican Party is digressing in front of us. And it's becoming this party of individuals who occasionally come together when they need to. But not really. You know, they'll 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 act like they're friends, but they're not there. They're all in it for themselves. 
And mm-hmm. so it, it it really is digressing. Here's your problem. Here here's when you look when you look at what's going on here. Let me look at the transmission. Let me tell you what the problem is here. Your next speaker is going to have to do one of two things. They're either going to have to a do what a speaker does. Realize I can't just force my way my agenda down anyone's throat. I got to get it through a sender. I got to get a presidential signature, and I can't override a veto. So I got to work with the other side. Which means the second that they do that, they're going to get bounced, and they're going to be looking for another person as speaker. Or they're going to do what I'm going to guess they're going to do. They're going to curtail their agenda to that far right extreme right because they're just basically going to say, okay, fine, shut down the government. Government gets shut down for six, seven, eight months till next year when it's summer and they're realizing they're looking at a butt kicking on par with 1930, 1932. And then they frantically come on out and try to act like, oh, we're, we've always been bipartisan. And, and the reality is, is I think that those are the only two paths forward. So if it's Scalise or Jordan or anyone, th- there's the trap that they have. They're either going to get bounced within the few, in a few weeks or they're basically going to get bounced badly when the, the American population votes them out in mass. A lot of people in the last day have said they got to get rid of this motion to vacate with only one person. All right. Correct me if I'm wrong. When... Nancy Pelosi was speaker. Well, first of all, the, the motion to vacate had been only only required one person for a long, long time. Yeah. And I believe it was during the Pelosi, and this is not a criticism. I believe it was changed to you need five. Okay. So here's the thing. There are a lot of people who get, get rid of that. You, you need much more than one. All right. How about five? They'd have gotten five because they had eight vote against him. So again, you know, I mean, it, you have to think a little more deeply on this where, well, is that darn Matt Gates? No, it was Matt Gates and seven other people. And so there's your, this is your problem. Do you then say, okay, we need 10 out of the uh, 435? I mean, it's, it, they've put themselves in a corner. Frankly, I'm afraid, I'm surprised Jim Jordan is even sniffing at this. I too. I don't know that I understand that. Um well, I, I, I guess I do. Well, you know what it is? It's Ukraine. And that's what this is all going to come down to. I just noticed that I'm like jabbing my pencil at the screen at you. I'm sorry. It's, it's very rude. I don't know why um, you're doing that, Jeff. Well, I, there's a whole host of reasons. Too much coffee, probably. But uh, you, Jordan doesn't want to fund Ukraine. Scalise is more open to the topic. That's what I think. That's what's going to be interesting if they supposedly are having. This is just so silly. Okay, no speaker. Let's go home for a week. Shut up. Are you kidding me? As opposed to sit in a room and figure it out. I got an email from a news release from a member of Congress who flew home today and immediately set up trips to three counties tomorrow. To do what? Be proud? Anyway, that's a whole different issue. But So they're going to get together next Tuesday night, and let's say there's it's only the two. So it's Galise and it's Jordan. They each make their case, a little town hall in front of the caucus, then they vote on Wednesday. How that comes out is the prediction of what happens with Ukraine funding. Mm-hmm. I will just, because to me, well, if Scalise wins, there may be funding. If Jordan wins, that's going to be the priority because the, the problem, as you have identified it accurately, he said, jabbing the pencil again at the screen, is that they don't, what's the goal? What is the goal? Is it to cut funding? Is it to do border security? Is it to, you know... And, and this is one of the big problems. If the big issue is border security, then you're going to have to take some funding for Ukraine. But you've got to decide what it is that's your main issue. And instead, mm-hmm. the main issue is 
how many hits did I get on Newsmax and Fox? Exactly. And, and we got to take a quick break here, but I will say this. Too many Senate Republicans want that money for Ukraine. So right. I, I, I know where, where, where are they going to go with this? All right, we'll take a break. Come on back. Jeff Stein here on our Wednesday, 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Jeff Stein segment here for you on a Wednesday. So, Jeff, uh, Trump is really kind of pushing the borders here. I mean, I think what happened yesterday where he basically attacked a, 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 a court worker during the court case at noon and was pulled aside by the judge and said, no, this is not going to fly. I'm not going to have you basically dragging court employees, you know, and threatening them or endangering them no matter what. It's not, you're not, because no one has trying to raid this kid. And like I said, you had a chance back in 2015, 2016 to rein this guy in. No one did. You should have done that because now these courts are going to do it. And I don't know if you'll ever get to a point where they'll put him in jail for a night or something. But the reality is, is that he is starting to dance on some real thin lines and God forbid someone actually with a MAGA hat starts attacking court personnel because then you're going to almost force the courts to have to put him, you know, have some sort of punishment for his actions. When you've never been told no in your life, it's hard for others to rein you in. And I think it's fair to say that Mr. Trump has never been told no, whether it was financing, whether it was, I mean, anything. And I draw the line at personal attacks like that. I, I mean, I just, here's the other thing, though, as a lawyer, what in the world, the judge is hearing the case. The judge makes the decision. You've already said that the judge is a biased hack. So already, good work there. And then you start tearing into the civil servants or the public employees or however you want to phrase it, Oh boy, I, I just it it gets so hard to defend that kind of action. See, it's one thing when it's Rosie O'Donnell. Let's go back twenty years. Mm -hmm. It's one thing when when he and Rosie O'Donnell had their little spat because they both can command attention as public figures. You start bringing court personnel in that that's much more problematic. I mean, just and and so, but here's the thing. So fine, he's daring. He's already said he's not afraid to go to prison. He's daring them to put him in jail for a night because what do you think is going to happen to the fundraising? And that is a sad commentary. Well, but I'm actually starting to wonder. It doesn't matter. I'm starting to think that it gets to a point here where no matter how much fundraising he does, his, his image is taking so much of a tarnish. Uh, Miley comes on out, basically says we, should, we don't very, very much clearly addresses Trump when he says we do not you know, throw our support behind a, a fascist. Um, Kelly comes on out basically saying all his comments about, you know, disrespecting the veterans and disrespecting the troops are true. You know, it, it, you know, stuff like this, you know, it only going to get him so far. And I think that as you watch this fight in the House, I think it predicates the fact that I think enough moderate Republicans are just tired of this. I just tired of eight years of this crap. Well, here, here's the thing. He stayed out of this House issue, and that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Uh, McCarthy did not ask for his help, which I found interesting uh, in hindsight. I think McCarthy had had his belly full of it. Just uh, That's fine. Just take it. it it's, do, not yeah. such a great, it's not such a great view up here. You don't need Millie. You don't need Kelly. You don't need any of those people. If the behavior of the individual, like what you 
started this segment talking about. He'll follow that way. He's not going to follow the other way with the voters. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. I think if, if his behavior continues in this way, he becomes his own best asset and worst detriment. Well, and, and I think it's going to, it's, yeah, he's basically digging himself a big hole. And I know he thinks it's gonna, there's going to be some rainbow to get him out of it, but I just don't see that. All right, we re-air this interview on the weekend. Uh, the Iowa Politics Report with Jeff will re-air that. We'll post that all tonight on social media. Jeff, we'll talk to you next week, Hour 2. That's up next.